Welcome team. Now I have to explain to my guest why I say welcome team. So first of all, my guest is actually my father, Dennis Knowles. Now, Dad, let me explain to you. When I say welcome team, I want to treat my listeners like I would treat anyone I've ever worked with in sport, and that is expose them to people at the top of their game that can help them, teach them, inspire them, share wisdom with the whole bit. The same way me and you worked as a team with one of your athletes that we're now going to spend the majority of this podcast talking about. Now, to the listeners, I'll introduce my father. He, at one stage, was the only coach. There's now two. There's been a world champion since, but he was the first and only coach to coach a world champion in the throws events of track and field in Australia. His athlete, when she won the world championship, was the youngest ever world champion in the throws events in history of the great sport of track and field. Mm -hmm. At that stage, she was also one of seven athletes to win World Youth, World Junior, World Senior Championships, take out the three golds in the three major world championships at age level and senior level. In that group of seven were athletes such as Usain Bolt. So the company she's keeping and the company my father's keeping is of an elite level. So, which is why I'm bringing him on the show. I don't want to spend the whole show talking about throwing a discus because a lot of people probably won't listen the whole way through to be fair but there are a lot of things you do in your coaching that has influenced me but also will help the listeners no matter what they're into and i'm going to start thanks for coming on the show by the way do you oh, know what a my, podcast my is i don't know i don't care about podcasts have you ever listened to any of my i've podcasts? never listened to any one of your podcasts oh, well, this will be your i first. don't have to listen to this one either because <laughs> i'm in it <laughs> Right, so we talk about teams, so we might yeah. as well go there straight away. Your approach to coaching has always been so open-minded and you've been about the team. Now, I remember this clearly because you never really cared who gets the credit. You're one of those people that happy to be behind the scenes. But while you maintain a head coach position, I remember you even gave me a plug live on TV where you thanked the team you didn't sit there and take all the accolades you thanked the team of people that helped you helped you and danny this was berlin 2009 you were interviewed in the crowd it was a great interview the excitement was was buzzing you had people around you like other australian athletes sally pearson and the like uh, sitting there cheering danny on so you thank the team very open-minded. What's always made you that way? Because not every track and field coach is that way. Well, I've said all along, it's all about the athlete. It doesn't matter what I do. <coughs> They're the ones out there doing it on the day. And to, to, get a comp to get the athlete to be the complete athlete, I have to call upon expertise that I haven't got. So I'm not a, an expert in... Um, in strength and conditioning, I'm not an expert, I'm not a physiotherapist, I'm not a nutritionist, so I, yeah, I might head the team, but I, I need help from others. Yeah, you've been very open-minded. And, and right now, as we, as we speak today, we've got the best team. We, we could not wish for a better team. We're all on the same page, 
we're all in it for the athlete and everyone's doing a good job. Because if they didn't, I'd speak up and say, hey, hang on, Danny, so-and-so's not, not doing what we want. We've got to get the best. It sounds a bit selfish, but in a way, athletes have to be a little bit selfish if, if they got to get if they want to work their way right from right to the top. I'm going to go straight to these three rules that you have. Oh, the Danny. rules! Now, the rules, yeah. If I remember correctly, this come about where I think you told me once. All these other coaches has these list of rules like don't do this, don't do that, must do this, must do that. And Danny said to you once, "Where's my rules?" and you made these three up on the spot. On the spot. <laughs> Talk us through them because I love them. The listeners will relate these to their own game, no matter what their game is. Right. And copyright Dennis Knowles. Copyright, yeah. Right, well, I, I, And I think Danny ended up printing these off and sticking them on a bedroom wall, <laughs> but you'll have to ask her that. Yep. I said, number one, Danny, look like a million dollars. Now, I don't mean you've got to get your hair done before you turn up to training on your fingernails or put your bling on, present yourself like an athlete, like somebody who's on your way to the top, if not already at the top. Whether it's training, competition, no matter what, look like a million dollars, that's how I put it. Number two, train smart. In other words, don't come to training with me and do 30, 35 throws, and all you're doing is going through the motions. Anyone can do that. You have to work on something, technically, every throw, every session. Make every rep. But count. it also includes being smart in the gym. It, it, it means being smart with looking after your body. Being smart away and, from the track. Everything away from the track. So, yeah, of course. She has to, she's very particular about what she, what she takes in, what she eats. Her diet is fantastic. With help from people who know all about that sort of stuff, like sure, I said, we get the experts. Yeah. So training smart just covers a lot of things, and then I said, and the hardest thing, Danny, in the end, when you're competing, especially on the world stage at a high level, is you have to become bulletproof. Nothing has to put you off your game. You have to be able to, because in discus throwing. Anyone who, I'll just say for anyone who doesn't know that the conditions play an important part in what the implement does through the air and how far it travels. And the surface on which the athlete is uh, competing on, a concrete surface. So I say to Dan, it doesn't matter if it's hot, cold, wet, dry, headwind, tailwind, doesn't matter. You have to be able to compete at your best in any condition. Not be put off by the, the opposition not be put off by the media following you around with a, with a television camera as you enter the, the, the cage to make your throw. So you have to become bulletproof. In Berlin, she was bulletproof. So Nothing was going to stop her that day. Nothing. And I rem she made a remark to me when in the, after the warm-up, it poured raining and the, there's two call rooms at the Olympic Games and the World Championships. This was a World Championships. The first call, I was allowed in there with her and it was just torrential rain. They postponed the start of the competition for probably an hour. And we both stood on the edge of this, like a tent, and she just said to me, I'm not gonna let a drop of rain stop me. It was just the attitude that day. I knew when she said that, I thought, 
she's ready. She'll go. Oh, what I love about that is special. you've just led me into the next thing. Is that some people make the mistakes of just writing these words on a wall or on the bedroom wall or whatever it is. It's the actions that go with it. So to become bulletproof, to believe you're bulletproof, you have to have done the work. Belief comes from within if you've done the work. That line she said to you, I'm not going to let a drop of rain affect me. That's because you've done the work. You've deliberately trained in the torrential rain, the freezing cold, the boiling hot. I'm pretty sure at one stage you deliberately hosed the... Hose the discus circle and hand her a wet discus. I'm pretty sure you. There would have been times where we prepared for everything. Yeah, well, you have to. The people, the listeners need to know you've also made a throw blindfolded. Yeah, I did. (laughs) I did that the first time at Runaway Bay in Queensland in 2005. And I think she was ready to throw 60 metres, only a young girl then. And I put a blindfold on, the sort of thing you get on aeroplanes. Here, Danny, stick that on. I'll lead you into the circle. Put the discus in your hand and throw it. And it went straight down the middle six times in a row. I said, okay. You're ready. So <coughs> that, that bulletproof, that, that's a powerful word. But you have to train yourself to become bulletproof. Train the mind, train the body, well, train experience leads to that too. The other one you said was... Train smart. Obviously, that's part of the bit about being having your team around you. You've got to give her the resources to train smart. But the first one looked like a million dollars. Tell me the first time, and I remember it. I'm hoping you do. She made the Commonwealth Games as a kid, 2006. No one had expected her to do that. The 205 Nationals. There was former world champions. There was Australian champions. Here's this young girl. She would have been 16. Yeah, that's right, 2005. Talk to me. Yeah. The million dollar, look a million, <laughs> dollar, million dollar philosophy thing. that day. Well, at the at Sydney, at Soulpack, it's in, at Homebush, where the Nationals were, at the warm-up area, I think I got there before Danny, and um, some of the girls were already, they'd all, already done some stretching and so on, and having a few throws. And then Danny showed up, and there was just, it was just something special. I don't, I can't, I can't really describe it other than it felt like I've been watching some thugs fighting on a corner, and Muhammad Ali walked in, walked in, walked, came from nowhere, and well, here I am. This is what you, this is how you do it, and that's what she did. And it, it was just, it's not just how you look, the million dollar thing. It's how you prepare and go about your business. And she went about her business perfectly. The way she warmed up, extends a, a very lengthy warm-up for Danny. She can spend half an hour, even longer, whether she's training or competing, compared to anyone else. <clears throat> so it was just some, It was just a special moment for me. I thought, right, you, you've... There's there's one box that you've ticked, the million dollar one. You look like a million dollars, that's covered. That's an easy one from now on. Train smart, I, we emphasise that all the time. The bulletproof thing, <coughs> excuse me, you have to, how do you learn to compete at a high level or at any level? How do you learn to be a good competitor? Danny over time has, has been able to respond to the challenge all the time 
and and fears no one. But it's never, it's not always been like that. I'm sure when she, she'll admit that when she was very young, she was intimidated by some athletes. You know, here I am up against so and so, and you know I can't beat this girl, and not anymore. And she's learned that by all I've ever said. I used to say it to you: seek out the best and take them on. Just go after the good guys and take them on until in the end they're worried about you so how this relates to a lot of listeners look a million dollars could relate to i mean i'm thinking how a team turns up when a team gets off the bus how they walk through that tunnel how they present i'm thinking you think say it's a swat team that's preparing to go out and they intimidate the way they look the way they present let's think about a a speaker on stage, the way he presents himself, a businessman, the way he presents, businesswoman, the way she presents, a teacher in front of a class, how they present. Look a million dollars will relate to everyone. Train smart, I think we can all relate to that. Bulletproof's the one I love. I, lo- I mean, even travelling the world. Every, you, you've been travelling the world every year for the last Six, 15 years, 16 years, every year you trip, and Danny have travelled no, the world. first trip was 2003. And you can't control what, surely, ups and downs on travels. I remember, clearly I remember, we talk about Train Smart and put resources around her. We had a sports scientist at the time was working out of Parramatta Eels. Her name was Anita Sorotic. You were away, you were in Germany. Danny was answering some... Uh, wellness type questionnaires over email each morning and Anita comes to me Hayden just letting you know Danny's not sleeping too well and all that wellness stuff for me it just opens conversation that's all if she didn't fill that in I would never have known back in Sydney that she wasn't sleeping well so I rang you you better sort this out turns out she had a roommate who was snoring and you went and demanded she had her own room yeah we then we then got an alert that she was not feeling too well. Something was wrong, a bit crooked, a bit sick. You guys were about to get a bus from Cologne to Berlin. How long's that bus trip? Seven hours, is it? I'd, I'd say so, hours. six or seven hours. I remember phoning you and you said, don't worry, I'll get on to it. You went to the boss or the head of the team and said, Danny and I are going to fly. It was yeah. a one-hour flight instead of a seven-hour bus. Yeah. Now, you went to this... Who knows, when we talk about attention to detail, those two things may go unnoticed, but she wins this world championship, she's bulletproof, she wins by 14 centimetres. Could it have been the room? Could it have been the bus ride? Could it have been training in the rain that day? All these things add up. You also, in the lead-up to that, a year before, brought out Mac Wilkins to Australia. So for the listeners, Mac Wilkins was a 1976 Olympic champion Possibly him and Wolfgang Schmidt would be the best technicians to ever, ever throw a discus. And they were a bit of a technical model for Danny. And again, with your team approach and your open-mindedness, you said, let's get Mac out here. And we did. Talk to me. When we talked about getting Mac, what was your first words you said when we had the opportunity to bring him out? First words for Mac? I remember. I don't know. I can remind you. You, you said, remind me. if he helps oh, me. Oh, of course, yeah. If he gives Danny, yeah, I might have said, oh, yeah, great, we're getting Macca. But, yeah, having said that, if he can give Danny an extra half a metre or even less. You it's said worth, 20 centimetres. It's worth I'll every it 20 forever. centimetres. Yep. 
Okay, 20, that's that, what's that? Eight, eight inches. Yeah. If we can give Danny an extra 20 centimetres, it's worth every cent. Now, how much did she win gold by? I think it was 13. You said 14. I think it was 13 oh, centimetres. Sorry, correct me. So anyway, that was a fantastic story. The story. Dis- that, it, that's the size of the implement itself. And I think what I'm getting at there is always embrace, no matter what sport you're into, always embrace the knowledge and experience, if you can, from other people. And that's always been your approach. It's, it's then yeah. always been my approach to expose an athlete to someone who's done it before them is something that I always love to do. So it's one of the greatest of all time, if you can bring them and sit them in front of your athlete to learn from, that's a priceless opportunity. And I'll, I'll never forget that. Other reasons I love Mac being here was hearing all the stories from his Oregon yeah, track days with Bill Bowman, who I, I love the story of Bill Bowman, who, who died a billionaire. And track coaches, as you know, don't die billionaires. He ended up finding... The founder of Nike, um, and but he was a very innovative coach who used to encourage his athletes to be students of the sport, and then Mac would encourage others to be students of the sport, the same way you've always encouraged athletes to be students of their sport. Yeah, I learned a lot from Mac. He's he's great, Mac. He's a great athlete, and he's he's probably one of, if not the best, one of the best coaches of discus throwing in the world ever I'd say I learned a lot from him he confirmed that what Danny and I were working on made sense we were going about it the right way all based on good throwing principles and biomechanics and all that sort of stuff so just to get the reassurance from somebody like him was comforting for a start and he added a bit more to it and we we still we still go back to some of the drills that that Mac that Mac um, used for himself. We still still do it to this day. So Mac was great. Yeah, he was here for over a week. We saw him every day. Had a lot of good sessions with him. But he's not the only one. But he, the, we've had Wolfgang Schmidt again, who was oh, a bit different, di- different to Mac, but. But I tell you what, he, he was. Different. He could still demonstrate. He was different, and and he had then a, he didn't need. Another coach. She had her coach. All it showed, Danny, was how much we cared about her and how much we would do anything possible for one centimetre, 20 centimetre improvement. So bringing Wolfgang just emphasised that, whether or not he was as technical coaching-minded as Mac or he, he... The fact is you were the head coach and you were exposing Danny to one of the best ever, former world record holder and unbelievable technician. So that, having Mac, having Wolfgang, and then other people, I mean, we we deliberately exposed Danny to train with other athletes of other sports. Another thing I'm really big on is athletes have mutual respect for other athletes of different sports. So putting her in a gym with a world champion boxer and in particular, Danny Green, who, no, I've never seen anybody train like Danny Green. To have Danny exposed to his work ethic at a young age, she was 16, 17, 18, um, she has become an athlete that I would then love to have other athletes exposed to because Danny has a work ethic of 
no other track athlete I've seen. Um, so that comes from within her, but also what she was exposed to at an early age. So what you did with Mac and Wolfgang was priceless. Probably brings me to the question about other coaches or mentors or influences you've had. Like, I'm massive on this. I tell anyone to go and talk to anyone old. Um, have you got any? Have you got any names yeah. of great coaches oh, that have helped you? Oh, loads of people. The, the first Thrills coach who inspired me was Colin Smith. Great bloke. Colin Smith. I loved he him. He passed away. What about and his and energy? God bless him, buddy. That was when I did a, a level one coaching course in 1984, I think it was, something like that. And he was such an inspiration. I thought, this is great. You know, I've, I've got I've to go with this and, and learn more. And I've been hungry for knowledge ever since. He was one. Thrills coach. And then our other... In that era, I might say, when, like I say, you said talk to old people because a lot of them have passed away now. So Roger Green was another. Great bloke. Coach, coaching well before I started. Big, and he supported me all along. Uh, a friend and neighbour, Laurie Barclay, is another one. Um, Gus Popolo in Victoria. So they're not just local people. Gus still contacts me all the time. Offering no. his help. You just mentioned him. Great bloke after great bloke. It's all, all Gus, Mike Edwards. Mike Edwards another one. There's some great Aussies. You got any oh, internationals? Um, well, we've mentioned Jack Pross. Jack Pross, local. Now, Jack Pross, he had, the, he had the biggest library of athletic information going back forever. And he bombarded me with throws material. Just in my early days of coaching, I was reading, reading, reading. And then I ended up writing a few things myself for publications, Modern Athlete and Coach and things like that. So Jack was a big one. I mentioned Roger Green, I mentioned Laurie. I'm, I'm trying to think of others. Another coach is not throwers, Fred O'Connor who coached at Westfield School, where I still coach at Westfield School, uh, with the support of Dan Suchi. And um, uh, Ron White, a jumps coach. These people, Ron and Fred, have passed away recently. So at the presentation, the last presentation night, when he's not, <coughs> Ron's not there, Fred's not there anymore, Roger's not there. Between those three, there's over 100 years of coaching at the top level. Well, that's the table you usually sit on. Who sits with you now? Well, that's it. <laughs> okay, well, oh, there are coach, to... the coaches there still. There's Sharon Dixon sits there and sometimes yeah, Christy yeah, Chamberlain. But yeah. the old the old brigade, you might say, the ones who really know their stuff, very knowledgeable, very experienced, have gone. Well, that brings me... To the listeners who possibly didn't know any of those names we mentioned, although there will be a lot of listeners that do. There'll be oh, some course, track and field yeah. people that know all those guys. Uh, the best advice I was ever given was talk to anybody old. And the reason, and I then, I give this to all my athletes or, or, or footballers or whoever I, I speak with, and even on this podcast, is talk to anyone old. Because if they died tomorrow and you didn't talk to them, their information dies with them. 
Unless they've written it down. Yeah, but yeah, but what they give you, you can't get you can't. in print. You can't get it off YouTube, even if it's there. If it's the YouTube, you uh, can't get it unless you can't. Sat you can't get. You can't buy the experience that these guys have got, and there's certain things they might tell you, which adds to, you. It'll add to my experience, for example, that I can't get it anywhere else. There is nowhere else. You go to the source. You go to Roger Green. You go to Fred O'Connor. So you go to Ron White. Wilf Pace was another one you mentioned overseas coaches. Wilf Pace could just about coach anything. And he, he was over here. Bondachuk from Russia, uh, uh, ex-World uh, Olympic, sorry, Olympic hammer uh, champion. He's uh, the, all these he's very, very well respected. He also in the strength and conditioning field. Bondachuk you had me train with when I was a kid. I remember you um, You always sent me to other coaches. Always. World-class coaches around the world. Different coaches that some you've even forgot their names just now. But you had this approach of go and learn off as many people as you can. You had this thing about the bullshit filter. So that's pretty <laughs> important to discuss on this podcast because back then with any athlete you worked with and at one stage a long, long time ago, I was one of them, you had this approach of learn as much as you can from as many people as you can. And in particular with me, you exposed me to that many coaches across different disciplines, even if it meant just sitting and having dinner with another coach, but other times go and train with other coaches. But you also had this thing about keep your bullshit filter on, which you need <laughs> no, to do yeah. now because people now, yeah. in, what they do is they'll sit on Instagram or YouTube or Facebook and you still need to have your filter. It's, it's Explain easy. your it's theory about the bullshit well, filter. <laughs> <laughs> it's easy. Well, let me put it this way. Coaches, athletes are driven by the coach, and a lot of coaches are driven by their own egos. Now, s most coaches that I know are, uh, want to offer advice and they're sincere. There are the odd one or two who just simply want to impress the athlete, that they know more than the athlete does. So, and I don't care who they are, I would let Danny or any other athlete be exposed to all of these people, but just come back if they've been to a throws clinic or whatever, a seminar, or just come back and tell me what, what you've been told and we discuss it. And Danny doesn't have to. She's got the best bullshit factor of all time. She knows what works. She knows, and she knows what doesn't work. So I just say, to her, well, you be polite about it because these are nice people trying to offer, give you some help. But what we don't want, we don't want any confusion or doubt to be put into, into her. I'll give you an example in Rio. I'm not going to name names here, but in Rio, Danny was in the gym a couple of days before an Olympic final. And a certain coach, an overseas coach, come to me in the gym and he said, I'd like to have a word with Danny. I said, well, she's, she's working out at the moment. Maybe, maybe when she's finished. But really, I, I, was, I was lying to him. There was no chance I was letting him anywhere near her. No chance whatsoever. 
because he would have said he would have said just one thing to her that would have could have put her right off. Which, if he did, if you right wouldn't had a protector, that's your job. Well, that's what I did. But if he did, I'd like to think Denny's bullshit filter oh, is she so would. strong, and the way you've made her bulletproof, especially <laughs> mentally, I would like to think that wouldn't have it affected her. But that coach was possibly deliberately trying to affect her because he had somebody in the in the final. Which he country? Was Oh, I don't know if I should say that. You'll know exactly give it who away. it is. <laughs> you can give it away. I don't want to well, give it away. Well, who cares if he listens? I Your don't job give it is away. to protect your But honestly, well, you'll know now. I tell you what. He'll know now who it is. I tell you what. Yeah, I tell you what you mentioned there. Sincere. Some coaches are sincere and others aren't. That probably brings me to. And leadership is the big, the big word the billion-dollar industry leadership. In fact, there might be part two of this this, series, this podcast that I'm doing right now. I'm going to just go straight into one on leadership because good leaders are sincere. Probably brings me to your own philosophy. What? There's no one more sincere towards Danny than you. You've been with her 20 years. You're a father figure. You're on her. I've been in her house where when she was a kid and your picture is there on the family photos. You've probably got more stories of how close and unique your relationship is, but there's no one more sincere. Well, what is it about what what is it about your coaching? Do you feel? I know you're pretty humble, but you guys have you, you're coming up to your fourth Olympics. You've made three Olympic finals. You've had a gold medal at a World Champs, a silver medal at a World Champs. You've had Commonwealth golds. You've had all these. Success that doesn't just that doesn't just happen with luck. What is it? What what's your philosophy with your coaching? How how is this relationship so unique that you've gone on to the absolute elite level? Well, the whole the whole relationship from the start is built on trust, and the coach has to care about the athlete. Not just as an athlete, you have to care about every aspect of their life, what what the relationships are outside of athletics, even whether it be with the parents or the boyfriends or husbands or wives or or what. Yeah, there's, there's certain times where I've even I said to Danny, oh, for example, when a father passed away, and I remember it, February the seventeenth, two thousand and four. And all I wanted to do was help her through her grief. I didn't care about athletics. I didn't care. I said, if, if you don't want to train anymore, Danny, I understand. You'll, you'll let me know if and when you want to start again. And she was a schoolgirl then at the time, only 15. Um, and she did. And she came to me, just 2004. She didn't go to the World Juniors in Italy. I went, but she didn't go. Um, and then she came to me one day and said, I'd like to go to the World Youth the following year in um, Morocco. So this was her second World Youth. So she was actually qualified for two World Youth and two World Juniors. So, and she said, I'd like to win it. And that's when I think we all got serious about what do we do? Yeah, I remember that. Build remember a team and well. so on. But, but I, I didn't... 
it wouldn't have, even though I thought there's a girl who can go all the way and be an Olympian, if because of the tragedy, it, it wasn't important anymore. It wasn't important that she that she missed out on on going to Italy for the world because she qualified for the world juniors, and here she had to compete days after her father's funeral and try and make a team to go to, to go over there. And yeah, and, and I've, I've, I say to her and say to everybody, when when she's going through, as they all do eventually, they go through year 12 and the high school certificate, and I'll say, Daddy, your education's more important than all this. It's more important than athletics. Get your qualification, do your HSC, do your uni or whatever it is. It's more important. So I don't just care about what she does in the competition arena. I care about what her life becomes. Yeah, so I think what you've... That will relate to everyone. The best leaders genuinely care. You said the word sincere. The best coaches I've ever worked alongside have a genuine care for their athletes. You think about guys like... Wayne Bennett and all the all the players he's worked with, they'll all say he's a father figure. You think of a, a Glenn Mills, of the, the coach of Usain Bolt, and all his crew in, in Kingston will say he's, he's the godfather, he's a father figure. You think of Alex Ferguson and all he talked about was Man United were his family. You know, these are guys that genuinely cared. You know, you think of someone like Brad Fittler who's having success now as a coach, he... He genuinely cares about his players, his staff, his athletes, his the sport. He respects his sport. You know, like what you've done, you've just basically enforced that all the people that are out there wanting to be coaches and leaders and teachers, if you genuinely care, it has to be sincere. If not, athletes will smell it on you a mile away and it won't be lasting. Great leaders are sincere. I like that. I like that. I'm almost ready to finish on that because you've you've given us some really good, really good uh, insight into what's led to world championship success. You've got another Olympics coming up, 2020. Um, I'll possibly got my money on you. I'm not a gambler, but to the people out there, things are on track. She seems strong. She seems mentally in the the best space you've ever you guys have ever been. She's stronger so. than stronger than ever. Fit and healthy as well. The body weight's spot on. That's because she t- takes care of herself. She's got. We've had good input. Let's not forget the mental side. And I've not met this this guy Nam, but he's yeah, been yeah, he's yeah, been yeah, he's been. Bloke. He's been good value. Yeah, yeah, the last couple of years. Very good on the breathing and good. being and in the moment. And so, and the team now we've got. And there's a, a young wo- young woman called Amanda that that Danny sees regularly. Who's she, hopefully she'll be with us in Tokyo next year. Brent down at Homebush. He's still kicking uh, on, Brent. Yeah, Brent's still gone, but he, he knows Danny inside out. Inside he, out. he can pick everything. So I value his input. Jeff White now is doing the, a good job with the strength and conditioning. And uh, who have I missed? I better not miss anyone out. No, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. That, that people the, around the, the right. People, the team right now. Well, it might matter for the ones you've forgotten. We're all on the same page. Yeah. We're all in it for her. 
That's the message to the and, listeners. And we're on track. Is that the whole team genuinely care. Everything is about the athlete, not about them. If anyone's in it and it's just about them, time to move them on. Yeah. If they all genuinely care, they're part of your team. The attention to detail you go to is, is at another level. To the listeners that want to learn about track and field and winning could be the difference between one centimetre then attention to detail is at its absolute maximum you have a plan and you trust it you trust the people around you you've talked about committing to it and i don't think we need to talk to more i I think you've given some great insight two two more names who support us there's craig heliard this is the head coach I'm name dropping because these people—they are, they do deserve it. Because these people these people are helping me do it. Of course, Michael Perry at the institute. Oh yeah, another chance. He's helping me. People. He's helping me help Danny. Right, they're not just helping Danny; they're helping me help Danny. And uh, I appreciate that, and I think it's—it's all going to come together. It has to come together. Well, I'm going to lead into. I'm going to jump off this and go straight into a podcast about leadership. But you've just hit it. You're a good leader. One of the best quotes I ever read about leadership, I don't know who said it, but superstars build themselves up. Leaders build up others around them. And you've just done it. You wouldn't let me switch off the podcast because you want to keep building up others. (laughs) You, You don't want to take the credit, which is great, but... Well done anyway. Thanks for coming on the show. Oh, anytime. <laughs> anytime. We might get Danny on the show. She'll oh, be, she'll be Honestly, I've never met great. any any athlete trained with the intensity. Well, I haven't worked with many female athletes. I've worked with a handful of them in track and field. But that's about it. I haven't worked with them in any team sports. My team sports are all male-dominated, but... Danny's work ethic and how hard she trains in the gym could, she could jump into any male-dominated sport and and tear a gym session apart yeah. with her focus and her zeroed-in total burning desire to be the best, and that's why I believe you're going to have a good year coming up. Uh, one more thing. What else? Have you cut me off. He he won't let me no, go. Business. If you're still with me, if anybody asks me. <laughs> Why has Danny been successful most of the time from a young age, stuck with the sport, still as enthusiastic today as she was 20 years ago? How, how has she done it? It's attitude. It's simply that one word, attitude. That's how she's done it. Commitment, yes, all the other words you can use, but it's her attitude. You can cut me off now if you like, and I'll have a cup of tea. Well, we will. We will. I'm going to cut off and I'm going to go straight to a podcast on my thoughts around leadership, ah. which, <laughs> which did you know... Yeah, go on. Is that if you Google searched leadership, the value of the industry is a $366 billion industry. Now, I'm going to put it out there for free. <laughs> for free. So the next podcast that they listen to after yours. Yeah, it's on leadership. Oh, it's, on, it's going to be my thoughts I, around I, leadership, I and it's going to be to, free. I might have to start listening to your <laughs> podcast. Right, thank you. We'll switch off. My pleasure.
We hope you have enjoyed this episode of GTE with Hayden Knowles. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and leave us a five-star review to help grow the team.